Captain Log, Stardate 17642.62. On our way back from the neutral zone, tendering a peace conference between the Romulans and the Klingons, we heard this strange broadcast coming over the airwaves. Lieutenant Uhura, tune into this strange and fascinating sound. It says, this is Staggering Stories, podcast number 63. Welcome, 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 and welcome again to the show. I'm Crumbly. I'm Adam. I'm Jean. And I am Keith. Alas, we have no fake Keith with us tonight. No. Oh. Yes, real life has intruded once again. <laughs> has to finish her course. Mm, yes. Yeah. Well, another bit on her course. Oh, yes. Tonight, I am your token female. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a token female as well. No, that was the B Sky B when I was oh, the token yes. homosexual, yeah. heterosexual. Yeah, well, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> this is becoming highly irregular. This is. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, frantically scrubbing at the embarrassing stain of information, it's the new. With El Presidente. Uh, Doc Two News. We have apparently all the writers for season five or whatever you want to call it, announced by the vast Toffee himself mm-hmm. in the latest Amen. DWM, a 417. With Jean's favourite doctor. Yes. <laughs> Grunhilda. Yay, Grunhilda. Grunhilda Knobnacker. Oh, yeah. Grunhilda Knobnacker. <laughs> I, I have to ask, haven't they actually already started filming this? Isn't it a bit late to announce who they are? I mean, I'm presuming well, they've written the stories they are filming. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all written. I hope they're all written. <laughs> they better be all written. They're in trouble otherwise. Yeah. The vast toffee, Stephen Moffat himself, is writing six of the 13. Uh, Chris Chibnall, who is former head writer of Torchwood and wrote 42 a couple of years back or so. Mm-hmm. He's doing two episodes. Mark Gatiss, League of Gentlemen member and Unquite Dead and Idiot's Lantern writer, is writing yep. one episode. Mm-hmm. Played Lazarus, if I remember rightly. He did indeed. Toby Whitehouse is doing one episode and he created Being Human and wrote yep. School Reunion. Two, one good series and one good episode. Yeah. And Gareth Roberts, again, another returnee, mm-hmm. doing one episode and he wrote Shakespeare Code, Unicorn and the Wasp and co-wrote Plans of the Dead with RTD. Yep. One out of three isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I quite like Shakespeare Code. I like it, mostly. <laughs> Anyway, and somebody called Richard Curtis, Ooh. who's never before written for Doctor yes. Who. Never heard, never heard of him. Unknown. Un- unknown. Unknown. You horrid little man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that interlude. <laughs> 
Also wrote uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually, yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. Which I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother. It has huge grant in it. Mm. Huge grant. Mm, yes. <laughs> Love well, Actually isn't too bad because huge grant isn't in it that much. Well, there's, there's more carrying it through. Oh, I'm okay. sorry, but if there's one person that absolutely grates on me, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're in the anti Hugh Grant yeah, league. Yeah. Great shot <laughs> against you, isn't he? No, no, and I wouldn't want him to either. <laughs> And finally, we have one episode being written by Simon Nye, who created Men Behaving Badly, which is a mm. British comedy is, sitcom yes. Has, thing. It's been an amusing sitcom thing. Yeah, actually, a lot or of them... Was, was in the past. A lot of them are <laughs> comedy writers. Yes. Simon yeah. Nye, Richard Curtis, Mark Gatiss, yep. Stephen Moffat himself. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of comedy It's going to be intriguing. I don't Whether remember the funny. empty child being full of um, belly laughs. <laughs> Oh, well, coupling. coupling. One coupling. or two slight snickers. Yeah. Uh, chalk, didn't he do chalk? I think as he well? did chalk. So, yes, well, we got regulars returning and two untrieds for who? Mmm. Yeah, so mm. it'll be interesting. I take it then, if there's any double episodes, they're either going to be Stephen Moffat's or Chris Chibnall's. Unless they're yes. counting think, doubles as I one episode. I think they're both Moffat's. Oh. I think. I, I think, the fir- think the first two part is uh, Moffat. Then I think the second two-parter is Chris Chibnall. Uh, I, I could, could be, be wrong. wrong. I could and be then wrong. I think Moffat's doing the final. Yeah, who'd do uh, the final one? I can understand that. And then I think he's doing the first two episodes as well, which aren't a two-parter. I, I, I couldn't. Well, we don't know yet, for yes. sure. Yes, we'll have to find out. Interesting stuff. Mm. No Cornell. No. No, which is very unusual, that is. Yeah, I mean, you would and... him to make a couple of appearances. I'll just twig something. What have you just twigged? To add to my, um, it's a 13-episode season. <laughs> Maybe it'll be unlucky. They, they, they've all been 13. <laughs> well, the, 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 new, the new series. So, you're right, though. There's no word of the Christmas special, which no, would normally be recorded mm, yeah. at the end, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think last year it was recorded at the beginning and the end, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So we don't know. I have to wait and see whether there will be a Christmas special. They may do it at the beginning of next season. Yeah. yeah. Because, what is it? Was Christmas Invasion part of the first season or the second season? It's the beginning of the second. It was the beginning As of the second. As it was for the year after. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. only the next Doctor, which is tacked on the end. Yeah. Mm. And also, there's talk of Neil Gaiman but, writing one, but ooh. clearly it didn't make it. No, no. It's or so it's, it's been hidden in Moffat's allocation, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But I doubt it. So yeah. uh, I think if they got Neil Gaiman, they'll probably be shouting it from the rooftops yeah mm. he may have been bumped next year like yeah. Stephen Fry's has bumped yeah. permanently yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bouncing down the road maybe working on him to do the Christmas special <laughs> yeah maybe okay BBC Green Lights new deep space drama <laughs> BBC One has commissioned a new eight part drama series, Outcasts. Hey, uh. <laughs> it is being made by Kudos, the people behind Spooks, Hustle, and Life on Mars. Ooh. And Ashes to Ashes. Mm-hmm. Created by Ben Richards, Spooks, Fixer, and Party Animals, Outcast is set on a recently discovered planet and tells of the dilemmas, loves, and lives of a group of people setting up in a new world. This life-sustaining planet is now home to the surviving population of Earth. Mm. Earth 2. It does sound little connotations Mm. of Earth 2, doesn't Mm. it? Mm. Set in 2040, Outcast begins on the day the last known transporter from Earth arrives, prompting great excitement on the new planet. Who is on board? Friends and loved ones? Important supplies and news from Earth, but also many questions. 
Will the new people bring the problems of Earth with them? Will the mistakes that destroyed Earth be repeated? Will the arrival of a new would-be leader rock the fragile and precarious equilibrium of our fresh, unified and courageous new world? Mm. <laughs> These are just some of the questions that are raised. <laughs> Shooting starts in South Africa, mm-hmm. of all places, mm. in April 2010, with casting to be confirmed. Yeah. So it looks like just ink on the paper at the moment. Well, if they're shooting in April, it yeah. must be pretty it's firm stuff. And it's only to, yeah, a couple months away or so. Extract the digit. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Hmm. And we have some Spider-Man news here. Oh. Or not as a case of movie. Yes, I think <laughs> it's a case of not. Mm. Spider-Man 4 has been scrapped. Right Yay. <laughs> Teenage Spidey reboot coming. Uh. <laughs> oh dear, high school Spider-Man. Yeah. Sam Raimi and the cast, including Tobey Maguire, are out. Oh, dear. <laughs> as Peter Parker goes back to high school, where the next Spider-Man hits theatres in the summer of 2012, Columbia Pictures and Marvel Studios announced they are moving forward with a film that focuses on a teenager grabbed Uh (laughs) with both contemporary human problems and amazing superhuman crises. Mm. Right. It looks like they're doing a Spider-Man Unlimited style reboot. I put it in the present day, but yeah. the trouble is the films aren't all that old. No, mm. yeah, I, I know mm. that Tobey Maguire actually has left doing yeah. Spider-Man now, but yeah. he was kind of like in high school when he got his Spidey powers, powers in the yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. So there's going back to straight after he got his powers. So and, yeah, it's either going mm. back to the point where he got his Spidey powers, yeah. or they're going forward like maybe a couple of years. Mm. I have been following this thread on the net and it's reading between the lines. I think it's a case of what happened in Spidey 3. Rami wanted to do it one way. The suits wanted to do it another way. And instead of Rami compromising as he did in uh, Spider-Man 3, he walked. Mm. Maguire didn't want to do it without Rami, so he walked as well. Mm. The thing was, I mean, with the last Spider-Man film, there were too many protagonists in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had Venom. Uh, we had the Green Goblin and Sandman and basically it was trying to shoehorn everything in in a limited space of time to, to my knowledge and again this is my interpretation reading between what I've read on the lines is Rami didn't want that but he compromised mm-hmm. for the film number three because it was such a flop he didn't want to compromise on the next one mm-hmm. and the suits wanted this this and this mm, yeah. which he wasn't really willing to do so because the thing that hit me was Superman three, uh, Superman Man, Spider-Man 3 was so much of it was set up but obviously set up yeah quite mm. often when you see a film someone you know looks at a watch or a book and puts it down and you think oh that will come to it later yeah. But it was like telegraphing the setups, yeah, yeah. the plots, <laughs> bits that were coming up. It, yeah. it really was not well done, no, not put no, together was, well at all. It was. It wasn't the first or the second film. No, first and second film mm. were fantastic. They were good stories. They they yeah. gripped and held. The third film seemed hamstrung. Yeah. certainly with all all the uh, well, supervillains in it. It was a lot of characters being thrown yeah. into the mix and, uh, and basically. I, I, Something coming, something very strange coming at the other yeah. end. I, I get the feeling <laughs> that coming at the other end. <laughs> yeah. I get the feeling that's what the, the what was happening with number four. Mm-hmm. Whether that's still going to happen yeah. with number four now that Rami's walked. Yeah, it's I, amazing. Why would they interfere? They've got a winning formula. Yeah. Spider Man one mm. and two. Yeah. yeah. Why do they think they can do better? You get the one one villain and just concentrate on it. Leave yeah. Raimi to do his stuff. Yeah. Because you're having to do an introduction story for all these villains, an origin yeah. story for yeah. all these villains. Yeah. It just leaves no time for actual yep. story otherwise. Mm, so Spider Man hits puberty. Again. Mm, again. <laughs> 
And it's not and it's not just webs you sprouting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask a fellow podcasters here is who else has seen the poster for Edge of Darkness with ah. Mel Gibbs in the film? Mm. Yes. Sort of poster. Mm. I have seen a poster. I haven't seen any trailers yet. It appears to be an up. American filmmaker mm-hmm. of The Edge of Darkness, yes. the famous eighties mm-hmm. um, yes. yes. apocalyptic BBC, which was absolutely brilliant and won mm. many an award. <laughs> what worries me about this worries me deeply is one it's an american film <laughs> two it's a mel gibson film yeah, yeah. yes thought he was uh, a persona <laughs> in uh, hollywood these well days. it, it depends yeah it depends when the film was made and how long it's it's been sitting on the shelf well apparently he sobered up and um, got rid of his anti-semitic tendencies huh? no no As he's, you do, he's so yeah, he, yeah. Just, just leave them at the door oh, right, leave okay. them behind yeah. as, the baggage. No, I don't think he has. I think I think he may have buried them slightly, but they're still mm. bubbling under the surface. Oh, still festering. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be interesting to see what they've done with it and how yeah. they've changed. Because in the English version, the Americans were the silly buggers that yeah. set all well, the bombs I, I can and... virtually guarantee that in this version, it'll be the British who are mm. the silly buggers. I think it has been has been reversed. James. Yeah. Mm. Kill surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be an interesting to one to watch. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or I think I, my, my natural tendencies are sort of sliding towards or not. Yeah. <laughs> I see Ray Winstone is Jedberg. Yeah. Who's the American. Who was, yeah. Is so, yes, Brit. it definitely yeah. has been reversed around mm, then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, our fingers are crossed and watch this space. We'll give you more information <laughs> mm. as it happens. Yes. yes. Or at least sort of maybe half an hour after it happens, depending on when you download the podcast. Probably two weeks. <laughs> two weeks after it happens, yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> Any more news? I have one addendum. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah as, as I go scanning the net each time I get back from work, desperate for information. You're only, uh-huh. you're only proffering addendums because the fake Keith isn't here, yeah, aren't I know, you? I know, I know. She usually covers my addendums. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. The less said about your private life. <laughs> my addendums. Mm-hmm. Um, Titan Publishing. Yeah. Who yes. have previously bought out uh, a Serenity script book. Yes. Two Firefly script making of books. Yes, I have. To my knowledge, are now bringing out a Firefly original short stories fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? mm-hmm. Being I can't remember who it was, but it being written by someone who was on the um the writing staff. Okay. Wow, that's a great way to jump on the bandwagon five years <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah? yeah. Well hopefully it'll sell well and there'll, yeah, there'll be more. But, pick up a copy I'm sure but Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> again, I'm not sure about the, the truth of this. It's just something I picked up on the um, the web. <laughs> mm-hmm. That happens a lot. I, yeah, yeah I've got to admit that. But I think there is something about a third book on the time Titan website. So if you sort of flick over to, to Titan Publishing, it doesn't say what it's about. It just says that there's a third Firefly book okay. coming out. Mm. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. Who wants Keith to say Firefly six times in a row very, very fast? <laughs> firefly, 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 Firefly. <laughs> you should have seen the look of concentration on his face. <laughs> I had my eyes closed. <laughs> As one and, does. And my fingers up. I'm not saying where they were up, but they were up. <laughs> not Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> ah, don't me. We shall not mention that misconstrued incident where I was not allowed to finish my sentence. Uh, it, was a, it was a Freudian slip. <laughs> right, a 
catching up from what we didn't manage to fit in the last podcast because we waffled on so long. <laughs> Over the Christmas period in this country, we had a new showing on BBC Three, was it? BBC One. Oh, BBC One. BBC, BBC, BBC HD. One. BBC HD, BBC One mm-hmm. of Day of the Triffids. Woohoo! new version. Yes. Brand spanking. Mm-hmm. All yes. singing all CGI, all decade. CGI'd effects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Updated. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, a couple of new threads added, mm, or at least yes. expanded from the yeah. uh, book. And the 1981 version. And the 1981 yeah. version. And, so, and, and the film 28 Days Later. 28 <laughs> days. Yeah. Yeah. So, people, what did we think? It was nice to see Eddie Izzard wearing men's clothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was unusual. <laughs> Generally, does when he acts. I think. Yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> not any other time, though. No, no, not in the privacy <laughs> of his own home. No, no, that's fair enough. It seemed quite a bit different to the nineteen eighty one version, which I saw after yeah. the twenty oh nine version. Yeah, I mean, to me, sort of um, the other Triffids is like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, there's always a different version whenever <laughs> a new version's made. I mean, sort of, yes. Hmm. I yeah. think the 1981 version is fairly faithful to the book. Mm-hmm. Not that yeah. I personally read it, but that's what I hear. The 2009 version wasn't. <laughs> I think mm. the 2009 version was more of a, the, an interpretation. Yes, the new, yeah. the new version is quite a hefty rewrite. I'm, mm. I'm afraid I'm a bit of a John Wyndham fan here. <laughs> <laughs> Only most of his books, and I quite like the Day of the Triffies, even though it's a while I've read it. Uh, multiple copies of most of his <laughs> yeah, books. Multiple copies of oh, Oops, we, <laughs> we all have to have a hobby. <laughs> um, it has been updated and varied. Yeah. Uh, in the original book... Bill's parents don't find the Triffids in the rainforest. His parents are quite suburbian, and he finds a baby Triffid in his garden, oh, which stings mm, him. Hence, yeah. he's immune to Triffid stings. Sorry, I just had this mental image. I mean, sort of finds a baby Triffid in his garden. Sort of, does he take takes it in and sort of rape? <laughs> Mm. No, he, he eventually digs its roots up because they find out they can walk, which is when it's stung him. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm. That's how it is in the 81 yeah. version yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sort of this label on it saying, please look after this Triffid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then as an adult, he works at a Triffid farm, mm. yeah. gets stung by an adult Triffid, which is how he ends up in the hospital mm-hmm. yeah. with his eyes covered. Mm, that's it, yeah. And also in the original version... The satellite, they're not sure if it's satellites or asteroids. There's an idea yeah. that it's satellites that are falling through the Earth's mm, atmosphere, yeah, releasing mm, a radiation yeah. wave. If, if I remember rightly, it's first put down as solar flares, yeah. but mm-hmm. later in the book, it's possible, possible they could have been military satellites. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Mason suggests yeah. it might have been. Yeah. And also in the original book, the, the Triffids are still being milked for oil, but it's for food, it's as a fish oil. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. But then you've got to remember the day of the Triffids was was written around or just after the war and you had a lot of rationing still going on mm, yeah. and when you read the book it's it's very much it's not um a society like we have it's almost like 1984 there's lots of controls and everything else and you've also got the military and the human elements mm. of setting up what they seem to have done in this is amalgamated a lot of the characters into one 
yeah. in, into um, Coco in it, who's in the original, and yes, he is our character. Mm. I mean, yeah. Uh, you do raise a very ver- uh, pertinent point. I mean, we say it's, it's written just after the war when rationing was very much in, in evidence. I mean, um, the impression I get is uh, the trip is a race for a food source more than anything else, mm. whereas um, uh, the version that's just been televised, they're being used as an alternate source of fuel, you know, which you know, yeah. sort of currently reflects um, escalating sort of fuel that's prices. Same in the 81 versions, mm. well, they're using it for fuel there. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that's the kind of thing John, if John Wyndham had written it now, he would have mm, yeah. done that. In the original book, again, they accept that the plants have been genetically modified. Yeah. Mm. They use a different wording, but Branch. there is yeah, there is an influence mm. that yeah. we have buggered about with them at a base yeah, the, level. It, yeah. The influence is they're artificial. For that's it. In some the, way. I think one of the things with the original film that's different about these is a lot of John Wyndham's books are about people going through experiences and they're not big adventure action books yeah. mm. there's a lot going on but it's all kind of like how people deal with situations mm. and the triffids are the catalyst to the situation yeah. Mm. Yeah. which doesn't make stimulating action tv no. <laughs> no. Mm. um i've got a confession here oh, <laughs> yes. I've, yes, yes, i'm actually no um i only watched the first episode the oh. first episode didn't grip me. It didn't make me want to come back and watch some more. Mm. I knew we were going to record it for the podcast, so I what yep. discussed this for the podcast. So I knew I should watch the rest of it, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm getting old and senile, and I just forgot it was on. Now that is, I think, indicative that it didn't make me want to sit up and watch it. Yeah. It, it just sort of slipped by me. It did feel very messy, this yeah, version. It's yeah. all, everything is happening all at once. Yeah. It wasn't hard to follow, but it didn't invite no, you in. No, it didn't, mm. it didn't capture... Uh, I remember the 81 version. Yes. I've got a copy of the 81 mm, version. But that was sit down and must watch. Yeah, I... When it was on initially. This, yeah. I just didn't get that. Mm. And therefore, I forgot when it was on next. Mm. I, I really get the feeling they've taken all the parts that could be the good action bits and put them together. Yeah, yes. And mm-hmm. they've negated the part of the story which is the journey of the survivors, yeah. the people, mm-hmm. yeah. and how they change from yeah. where they were to what they become being this isolated group. And how people and society copes, how you end up the likes of Coca who sets yeah. up the military almost aspect and yeah. you've got the military that goes off the wall. Yeah, it's virtually um, fall, the military falls apart. It does. Books. Um, and or in the book. I, I, I enjoyed this version, but there were aspects of it. I sat there and thought, oh, that is, that is quite nicely done. And yeah, John Wyndham probably would have written it like yeah. that now. But there was... A lot of the feelings towards the characters, sympathy towards the characters, you didn't have because it yeah. did seem to be compacted down almost to an mm, action adventure yeah, story. The, um, mm. the character of Bill and, oh God, what's her name? Joe. 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 Just didn't grab me at all. They, they left no. me very cold. Yeah, they're the two main characters. They're, yeah. they're the ones you mm, should yeah. have they're, feelings they're for. They're the people you're following through in this mm. story. Mm. Yeah, one interesting point that was raised um, before we started recording this podcast, about the 1981 uh, version mm-hmm. with uh, John Dutine saying um, the Triffids were discovered in Russia. Yeah, mm. um, I've got the impression, or certainly from the, mm-hmm. from the original series. I mean, it just seemed to me that a lot, a lot of people, well, especially sort of BBC dramatisations around that time, I mean, there was very much a strong hint of Cold War paranoia about that. I mean, another Russians were the enemy. Another, yeah. another thing that springs to mind was uh, the Nightmare Man. Yes, 
Yes. I mean, okay, so the uh, craft that lands on this remote Scottish isle, everyone thinks it's extraterrestrial. Yes, but, it's not. but in fact, it's, it's a Russian submersible. That ties in, really, to the rewriting of this, because in the original mm. book, no one knows where the triffids come from. Mm, they yeah. kind of suddenly tip here. In this version, they're found in the Amazon rainforest, mm, yeah. and yet this is hype. Yeah, everyone's yeah. hype about we're destroying the Amazon mm, the rainforest, then there might be the cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. So again, I think they've written that that modern paranoia. Paranoia isn't the right word, but that that modern idea. Mm, well, into they tweaked this it somewhat. Yeah. The triffids. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the FX itself. What did you think of the triffids? I preferred the 81 version. Yeah. The, the 80... It seemed more, more real. They were yeah. physically there. The 81 mm-hmm. version, it was a physical prop. Yeah. Well, and... yeah, I mean, sort of, it was primarily made of fiberglass. Yeah, yeah, with a little mm. actor inside walking mm, backwards, it. if I remember right. Yeah, the yeah. shuffling looked a little hokey. Yeah. But... I, yeah. <laughs> I did like on this one that when the Triffid attacked, its head kind of puffed out almost mm. like a puff adder. Yeah, yeah like a cobra. I, yeah. I quite mm. liked that, that kind of what remind What I'm reminded specifically, because as I said, I only saw the first episode. Mm-hmm. There was only a couple of shots of Triffid which you saw in silhouette mostly. Yeah, yeah. They reminded me a hell of a lot of the rather hokey Triffids from the original 58, oh, 60 the movie. film. Mm. 61 yeah. film, <laughs> which was very poor. Well, they were from outer space, weren't they? Those yes. ones yeah, were the from outer space. From they the they were in the um, asteroids that yeah. blinded everyone. Mm, yeah. And these oh. were kind of aliens, these yeah. Triffids yeah. in this new 2009 I mean, I, I quite like the film with uh, Hal Keel in it. I mean. The film from Hal, with Hal Keel in it is all right, but mm. again, it's not a patch on mm, the books. Yeah. But yeah, but there again, I mean, sort of, they don't sort of include the scene where he starts playing Pied Piper with them with an ice cream van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did like the fact in this one that they came up with the idea the Triffids communicate, because in all mm, of them, yeah. even in the books, in the book. you have that constant click, 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 yeah. clicking click, click, noise, click. which mm. they, Wait, they had in this series, but not, not to the great effect. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I'm happy because it's implied in the book because you've got the constant sound. Uh, yeah. I think there was mentioned at one point that they're obviously sensitive to sound. Yes. Mm-hmm. In this, literally from the off, bludgeoned over the head oh, with yeah. the fact that they're intelligent. <laughs> well, it's definitely hinted at that there's some yeah. sort of yeah, there's some kind of sentience there. It's, it's more in, in the book and the eighty-one version. It is more subtle. It's implied. I yeah. think in the original versions as well, which they missed out on this one, the clicking was used as almost a horror aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had times where you, you knew the triffies were there because you didn't see the triffies, mm, but you had you the, the click, click, mm. click, 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 click. Yeah. In yeah. this one, yeah, it's all about they talk with each other, let's get communicative with the plants. <laughs> but you lost that, it's a triffy because yeah. you can hear it clicking. One oh, my there. God, there's one mm, round the corner yeah. kind of yeah. situation. They're more viciously active. Mm. They were overly animated. I think. Yeah, they just yeah. moved too much, as if they had muscles. Yeah, I mean, mm. shuffling yeah. as again did in the original. The book and the eighty-one, they're carrion eaters, so yeah. they kill you, and then they stand next to you, waiting for you to decompose for a week, and then pull the meat off of you. Yeah, mm. the, the original book was a wonderful book about how people cope where their worlds turn upside down. Yeah. This seems more of a story of, look how intelligent we are. Yeah. Mm. It was trying to be too clever on so many levels. I liked it. I really did like it. But there was also the element of me that, yeah, I didn't have sympathies with the characters, apart from the two girls, the two young girls that Mm, you picked up in the pub. And it was just trying to be too smart in so many ways that it kind of lost what the truth mm. is, the day of the truth mm. is, is about, which is about the people, yeah. not yeah. the yeah. truth one, yeah. one thing I was slightly puzzled about was the flashbacks to um, seeing that in, uh, African wi- uh, yeah. witch doctor and the mask and such. Mm. Yeah. 
That's how we knew invention. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Which did seem a bit odd. Because well, originally the triffids weren't found in Everywhere. Africa and Westbury. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's I, it. I suppose what they were trying to allure to in a way was nodding back to when he was a child in the book when yeah. he was a child he had the triffid sting with the juvenile triffid yeah. and that maybe if you put the stinger it, it acts almost like a, a natural guard against mm. them or gives off the smell that makes them think that that you've already been stung mm. but that's just a hypothesis it was it wasn't really explained yeah, I, I was slightly puzzled about that why they had to sort of you know, squirt the poison in each other's eyes i mean i think <laughs> the only thing probably was because triffids tended to go for the eyes mm. yeah. blind you yeah. so maybe by putting that over there they can smell the sting over the eyes and think mm-hmm. you've already been stung and you're just bumbling around but then with these ones they seem to come out and grab you yeah, they're they... touchy-feely well, so it. why didn't they yeah. just yeah. grab you yeah, yeah. certainly the triffids, the for, triffids for the 21st century yeah, certainly yeah. In, in the first episode you had roots coming out and yanking yeah. people yeah. off oh, the good grief, yeah. Yeah. so if they yeah. think a sort of blind mills walking past why aren't they just yeah. grabbing them yeah mm. uh, but I, I mean if you haven't seen it it is worth seeing um, if you don't know the day of the triffids book and all the rest of it you, you probably would enjoy it yeah. and Eddie Izzard, I was abs- he was absolutely brilliant in it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was bastard. Yeah, totally. crazy, yeah. 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 I think he was the best best actor in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, every comedy actor has a dramatic actor trying to get out. Well, it's the first time. I mean, I've seen him in a few things plain mm. straight, and I mean mm, that yeah. in so many ways. <laughs> um, I mean, I know he's a happily married man or yeah. he's a happily straight man, but he does tend to camp it up in some things. But <laughs> it's the first time where I've seen him actually play the part straight, and yeah. it's a long part. Mm, I'm yes, like the yeah. where it's been a bit part. A cough this, and a spit. This, this is... is actually testing mm. his acting skills, mm. and I think he, he came yeah, up He, he carried it off very well. well. Yeah, mind you, one thing that does puzzle me is why aren't there any triffids on the Isle of Wight? There they are. Got, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They yeah. cull them because they it's an one. island. They can go they around can and cull them. Ah. Wiped out. They can. They burn them off, and then it takes for them to because they can't swim. Triffids can't swim, so they can only get to the islands when they spawn. Pollinate. <laughs> so I was thinking, I think getting the white link across. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul Smith to fishbowl. Yeah. <laughs> There's foot. Well, I wouldn't say foot passengers. <laughs> Root passengers, mm. or tendril passengers. <laughs> tendril passengers. Also, in this new version, they didn't have the disease. No. Wiping out the people in the cities. Yes, yes. There was a plague in the, in yeah. the book. There was, as well as, as, well as the triffids, there was a plague that hit people as well, which was also implied by the fact that these satellites. were satellites. Mm. Yeah. satellites chemicals. Ah, no wonder. Um, but that's where 28 Days ties in more yeah. to yeah. the mm. story. Well, yeah. That's another 28, film. Mm. 28 Days Later, the whole beginning section is Day of the Triffids, yeah. basically, when, when he wakes up. But the explanation as to why the people died in the cities, yeah. in the original, was disease. Yes. Yes. Now they mm-hmm. have to have the Triffids come into the cities, yes. yeah. but they explained mm. they couldn't because there's no soil. Yeah, yeah. it's a paving stone. Mm. They, they, they've totally ignored the whole disease element yeah. for this, yeah. this new yeah. one. Mm. I think they just concentrate on what they had Well, that's the it, it's only a two-part because series. Because also, if he's looking at it from a genetic side, which you're going to try and cure first, the plague that's killing off the humans... Mm. Or the Triffids. Yeah, well, yeah. It would look yeah. a bit yeah. silly if it he was also, concentrating on the It also the goes back to what you were saying earlier, is the Triffids look more groovy and fantastic than a plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, there has to be a tangible threat. I mean. Yeah. So, on the whole, summing up, 
Well, for me, when I went back to watch the 81 series after seeing the 29 one, the first episode was quite slow, but after that, I really was gripped. I went to watch two episodes, ended up watching four. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd go for the 81 version over the 29 any day. I'd say it's a remake that's put some interesting ideas in, like updating it, that they come from the rainforest and the rest of it, but no, I'll go along with the, the earlier one was yeah. the better one. I had more yeah. sympathy for the characters and it was more more gripping. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Eddie Izzard was the seller on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said that's it for me and my own confession, I didn't reach the end of this one, whereas I've got a copy of the 81 version at home mm. that every now and again comes out and gets dusted down. Yeah. <laughs> No, so, I mean, I enjoyed watching it because, um, or I mean, apart from the fact of seeing or seeing Eddie Izzard wearing men's clothing, <laughs> I mean, this was the first time I've seen him sort of doing straight acting. Yeah. And in this, he proved you know, he was an absolute bastard, for want of a better term. <laughs> oh, he did really He was totally it, ruthless yeah. and you know, sort of self-serving. Yeah, out for himself. Mm. He should make a spin-off just with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit late because he's been eaten now. So. What I'm saying is, Eddie Izzard for the next incarnation of the master. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could yeah. do it. Yeah, he could do it. Possibly. <laughs> no, it's it's worth watching. I mean, I watched it while I was doing the ironing. And <laughs> I, I got through both episodes, but I wouldn't say that I'd be rushing out to add yeah. it to my DVD collection. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in my it's on my DVD recorder at the moment, so I can watch it at my yeah. leisure again. And if certainly if you're in the UK, maybe worldwide, I'm not sure. But certainly in the UK, all six episodes of the '81 version are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can see you put them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you can watch them freely. So I'll put a link up to that if you want to see it. I would recommend you read the book, though. (laughs) Yes. And now, dear listeners, in a change to our schedule programme, we bring you a short segment on our earliest memories, memorable scenes, and your favourite monsters from... Was it again, that series? Um, 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 Professor what? Professor How. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. That's, no? that's a different no, podcast. Different oh, podcast. God, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we introduce to you this segment called That Brown Trouser Moment. Shall I kick off? You can kick off. Go on, then. Okay. Well, favourite monsters, beside Dalek and Cybermen, the the big ones. Right. uh, I suppose it has to be Centaurans. Okay. Hmm. I love the twisted military honour. Yeah. You know, trying to hold yourself up to an ideal, something better than yourself, but it's completely warped (laughs) and subversive and just, just directed towards military conquest. But they have, they worked a basis of honour out of it. Uh, yeah, like the Klingons. <laughs> yeah, again, like the Klingons, for, for much the same reason. Yeah. Is you're holding yourself up to an ideal that you, there's no way you can live up to. Mm. And you, you, if you fail that, you'll be willing to throw yourself on your sword. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's such a, a twisted version of mm. it. Mm. And so yeah, what, yeah. what mainly stuck sticks in my mind is uh, uh, two doctors, Store. Yes. Where uh, the second doctor is trying to challenge Store yep. to a duel so he can release him, so at least he's got a chance to escape. Yeah. And the turnaround is, you're not Centaur and therefore you cannot impugn my honour. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm not sure if it's a scary moment, but it's one of my earliest memories 
so it must have made some form of impression on me, mm-hmm. is I can remember the second Doctor, I think it's Victoria and Jamie, being chased at by a unicorn. Okay. <laughs> Until I saw the episode recently released on DVD, yep. I had no idea where it's from. It was just this memory that I've got transfixed in my mind. Is that mm. Mind Robber? It's Mind Robber, which mm. I think was 1966. Uh, 68, I think. 66, 68. Also, another thing that's stuck in my mind, I can't remember this. I cannot remember the Yeti. I can't remember Abominable Snowman. I can't remember Web of Fear. But I can remember the John Pertwee episode, Invasion of the Autons, mm-hmm. with the nesting spheres. Mm-hmm. And I can remember calling them Yeti eggs. <laughs> so obviously I have seen the Yeti and it struck me. <laughs> But I can't Literally. actually remember the, the episodes themselves. Mm. I can also remember when we were going to London to see my Aunt Flo. Yes, I had an Aunt Flo. <laughs> Are you bod? <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember being highly nervous when going through the closed-down underground station. When the tube right. went through the closed mm, underground yeah, stations. Yes. I can be very, remember being very nervous at that, but I can't remember why. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which again harks back, back to Web of Fear. Mm. Mm. <laughs> There's probably a whole generation out there now that are going to have the same problem with statues. Oh, of yes. 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 Who are never going to know why. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <I think> so. <laughs> Uh, we, we must avoid Cybermen and Daleks, but I'm afraid Cybermen are my yeah. classical time favourite. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And I think the thing that got me with the Cybermen, which is why I love the way they've done them now, is that they're the only alien that's ever been on Doctor Who that I've ever thought could really be real. <laughs> I think part yeah. of that comes from having spoken to and knowing the history of it, that it was created by someone, Kit Peddler, yeah. who was involved in organ transplant, and yeah. it was the what-if mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. That if you to, Transplant everything to the nth degree. To the nth mm. degree. Yeah. And I think as a, as a kid, that kind of frightened me that removing the humanity, and it still does disturb me to some extent. You know, we have this it, drive for immortality still. Well, it links to a certain extent. It links into Hellraiser. Yeah. The body horrors. Your That's your it. body being taken over, taken over and subverted beyond your control. But you're still trapped within it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It is a bit zombieish. But I, I I absolutely love the Cybermen. But <laughs> if I was other than the Cybermen, it'd have to be the Autons. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's no way I could be a shop assistant and work in a shop on my own at night after dark, even to this day. <laughs> well, it's strange you to say that. I mean, that's what I've got here as well, the Autons. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a thought of, um, well, everyone's basic sort of fear, and inanimate objects coming to life and sort of basically running after you to, choke the, life, yeah, to uh, choke the life out of you. <laughs> I've mentioned this in podcasts previous, my brown trouser moment... Well, yes, it will come memorable scene and earliest memory is of the troll doll. Oh, yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes, I remember that. Even when it was in a static state, it looked rather horrible. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a cute looking thing. <laughs> I think it? with the Altons, it also plays into the one thing I can't stand is clowns. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I totally agree. I, I yeah. Don't, it's that not being able to f- read any emotion off of the face. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same with ventriloquist dummies. I don't like ventriloquist dummies. There's no emotion. I think it's the same with you think of a ventriloquist dummy in the Altons. It's 
same thing. There is a total blankness to the face. There's no expressions, but it's an apparent living creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't. And I think that well, it's, that, it's not. You. It's not living. It's just being animated. Well, uh, animated mm. creature. It's out to get you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, close on the heels of the Altons was the Ice Warriors. Oh yeah, yeah. Who um, mm. might be nice to see again one day. Well, we may do. Yeah. Yeah. mentioned. They but keep on promising. My mm, two, yes. my two memorable moments. My earliest, earliest memory. This is true, honest. Was of Cybermen breaking out of ice tombs, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't till I got to see a certain Patrick Troughton yeah. story yeah. many years later that I found out yeah. it's Tomb of the Cybermen. But I remember stewarding a queue once, an autograph queue, and doing this sort of like small talk to everyone as a young lad there. And I said to him, you know, what's your earliest memory? He goes, oh, this is back in the Sylvester McCoy time. I said, oh, I, I mean, my earliest memory, I said, it's when these, these icemen broke out of these ice tombs. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, it ain't Tomb of the Cybermen. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he was talking about Attack of the Cybermen, where they break out the ice tombs. Uh, okay, yes. And, and I suddenly felt very old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of very old things, we haven't said hello to the uh, oh, head yeah. of Pertwee yet. Hello, hello head, head of Pertwee! Pertwee. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's that was his reply. Yeah. John would appreciate yeah. my other memory. Sure. One of my, my, my favourite memories is from the demons. When <laughs> the, the batty old woman in it <laughs> hits... I think it was Sergeant Benton, or it could have been Captain Yates, over the head with her handbag, knocks him out, and stands and says, in these situations, the outcome is always foreseen. Reaches into a bag and brings out the biggest crystal ball you've yep. ever mm. seen. Which was in her bag when she yeah. hit him over the head. No, I think that pleased him. He's got a very avuncular smile on his, fi- <laughs> on his face tonight. It, it, it is also the only story which has featured Morris dancing. Mm-hmm. Surely a villain next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the evil Morris dancer. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do? He's all wave his hankies at you. Oh, oh, you have you know, never you seen know. a Morris dancer with a stick. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Ninja mm. Morris dancers. Mm. <laughs> I've seen a Morris dancer inside that used massive great long spanners. They were frightening. Spanners? Yeah. Grief. Okay, then. Um, my favourite monster of all time is also the Sidemen, I'm yep. afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I kind of grew up in that uh, Earth shock. Yeah, their resurgence. Yeah, exactly. And one of my, not an earlier memory, but one of my favourite memories is them bursting out of the silos. Yeah, yeah. So in Earth, Earth shock. shock. That one. I feel old. My, my, my earliest memory, as far as I'm aware, goes back to uh, Count Scarlioni rip you off his face. Oh, yes. oh spaghetti, spaghetti head. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I certainly remember that. Mm, I was going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Classic story. <laughs> Aye. Yeah. Uh, Another memorable that I didn't, probably didn't see it at the time, I don't know, is uh, the Vok robots. Ah, uh-huh. of death. Yeah. One of my favourite that, ones. That's a good, mm. that's a good <laughs> story. If you can call that. them that. Yeah. I like the idea of these emotionless robots going on the rampage. Creeping. Mm. I want some of those. These were through hands, Yeah, they were very well played, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's all going back to uh, what I said earlier. I mean, sort of something created in your own image sort of turning against you. Yeah. And they, they were so cheerful about it. They were <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awfully polite while they what more can you ask for? <laughs> like they tried to do with the angels. In, uh, it didn't quite Kylie put it off. One, didn't, mm. didn't work. It didn't, as didn't well. quite the same. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, dear hearts. 
sad people who really should find something else to do. No, I didn't oh, mean that. <laughs> why don't you let us know which is your favourite monsters and why, and what your earliest memories or your most memorable moment. Mm. Not necessarily what's your most favourite. <laughs> <laughs> as it'll be interesting to see how many of you share the same memories as mm. us. Go back as far as us. Let's go back yeah. as far as us. <laughs> hey, we're showing our age. What's that you say? You can email us at Show at staggering stories dot net. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> or you can contact us on Facebook or on, on Twitter, Twitter as well. Yes, mm. we have a Twitter feed, so you can mm-hmm. tweet. Does, do they need to know what our Twitter name is in order to tweet us? Oh, it's all in the show notes. <laughs> 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 Right, we've all been to the cinema, haven't we, children? Oh, yes. Mm. Mm. And what did we see at the cinema? We all saw Avatar. Walking through a dream, I see you. A light in darkness, breathing hope of new life. I saw it in 3D. So did I. I didn't, I saw it in 2D. Ah. Did anyone here see it in 1D? <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I saw it in 2D as well, unfortunately. It's sort of very cheap. Very cheap. Yeah. Uh, cheap yeah. skate, yeah. Well, I was in South Africa at the time and it was about just under £3 for a ticket, which is less than half the price it is in the UK. That was um, 1980? 80 prices? Yeah, I know. £3. Very cheap, but it was only 2D. Yeah. But that mm. was 1980, not in central London prices. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. I suppose, though, for the indigenous population, that. Equals about the same as what we play, given how much their take-home is each mm, month. Probably yeah. does, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. Yes, enough, enough <laughs> of political comment. Okay, <laughs> Avatar, what is our thoughts of it then? Well, I, the, the first thing I would say with Avatar 3D, for anyone out there that's going to see it who wears glasses, this will not apply to my colleagues here, Yeah, you know, as yeah. I wear glasses. It's worth going to see. The problem with 3D is if you wear glasses, you wear the 3D glasses and you're fine with anything that's in the centre and as soon as anything flies out towards the peripheral vision, it distorts. I didn't find that with the Avatar. Hmm. I don't know if it's the way they filmed it or if it's the glasses. Didn't you say it was an IMAX you saw? No, no, it wasn't. No, it was just a regular 3D. Regular 3D. I didn't sorry. get the distortion around the mm. edge. Now, mm. I don't know if they've improved the glasses or the way of filming, but, yeah, if if you were thinking of going to see it in 3D and you wear the old bins, give it a try. It mm. doesn't distort like most 3Ds do. Don't know why, but it don't. OK. Mm. I must admit, my initial reaction was somewhat disappointment. Yes, to I have the, to uh, the whole thing. Uh, it's amazing. I can't believe it's doing so well. Yeah. Well up there, nearing Titanic yeah. proportions. Well, it's going. Well, it's going to surpass it soon. So, yeah. well, I mean, uh, that, that, this it is what gets Star Wars. This is what gets <laughs> me. It's been billed as a game-changing film. It kind yeah. of is behind the scenes, um, but on um, the screen, yeah, not. yeah, maybe behind the screens, but it doesn't actually give it anything in front of the screen. There's nothing no. I have seen no. on the screen that I haven't seen elsewhere. If the entire plot is lifted for dances. With yeah, it, it is. It's been built. <laughs> I think some some critic build it as dances, dancing with Smurfs. Dances yeah. with Smurfs. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it, it mm. is literally it, the plot has been lifted from the Kevin Costa film, dumped in there. Uh, <laughs> Watching it, number two construct summed it up perfectly. Watching it is like watching a cutscene from World of Warcraft. Yeah. There's I... not, they've made a big thing about they've put the CGI actors in the film. Mm. Sigourney Weaver CGI'd. The main lead, I can't remember his name, CGI'd. 
and Sam Worthington. And, and Sam one, Worthington yeah. yeah, and one of the one of the women. I think it's mm-hmm. a horror from. Yeah, you never see her as a real. You don't person. see her see no. as a real person. But I've seen this before in Lord of the Rings, the Gollum. Yeah, uh, Peter, I think. Um, Polar Express, Tom Hanks, and Christmas Carol with uh, Jim Carrey. Okay, okay, they're all completely CGI'd in the film. They're, from that point of view, there is nothing mm. new. Well, I mean, I think it's more the scale of it than anything else. Mm. Again, nothing new. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Christmas Carol is a completely CGI'd film. So this you know, isn't completely I mean, the, the scenes where you see them as human. Yeah, yeah, they it, are. They are human. That, that is that is, that is the, live the action. actors. Yeah. So for the most part, I was probably touched <laughs> up a bit. But, yeah. I, I did. Someone sent me round um, a recent email, and it had different plot things on it. And one of them was the plot for Avatar in ten oh seven crash twenty forty. Sir Christopher Columbus slash out blah 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 <laughs> arrived on this new land slash yeah. out fedora <laughs> and yeah. It, yeah, yeah, and it was like. You know, this is just us invading another planet, taking it. I was initially very sceptical about um, Avatar because I don't like the use of CGI and actors for no reason. Yeah. yeah. I want to see an actor or I want to see a cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why Why are you CGI in an actor? When it's like Gollum, when yeah. it's creating someone into a position you can't physically produce, yeah. that's fine. Mm. And I was a little bit concerned that Avatar was a gimmick. We're just going to yeah. CGI them because we have the technology and we can. I was quite impressed by the fact that there was a reason why the avatars were created. Because they are 10 foot high and yeah. they are mm-hmm. structurally, yeah. structurally different. And they looked really good. Visually, it's absolutely stunning. The oh, colours yeah. and everything else. Really? You know, uh, I, I, I didn't the, find so. I, I thought it was. And the flights with the dragons and everything mm-hmm. else. Visually... I went, wow, this is, you know, kind of when they're off on Pandora. But, yeah, I I enjoyed it for the three hours, and I didn't get itchy bum or anything. I didn't start (laughs) sitting there thinking, oh, God, when's I going to get to the end of this? But, on the other hand, it wasn't anything that I hadn't seen before. The the lunatic commander that's going to wipe everyone else for the sake of it. Well, why don't we just put him on a nuclear bomb, drop into the earth, waving his hat (laughs) and go, (laughs) They've lifted him directly out of Apocalypse Now. Precisely, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Strange. The the poor little hard-done-by aliens stroke (laughs) minority group who (laughs) can uprise against its... It was an old plot. Yeah, yeah. It's an old oh, plot. Yeah, there's, there's no denying well. that, yeah. Um, I did enjoy it. It was groundbreaking, I thought, in some areas, and, and, and particularly what I was saying about the 3D effects, whatever they've done to it to make it work. And I was caught by the story. But I don't know if I watch this again in four or five years' time no. if it's gonna yeah. if I'm still gonna be cat yeah. like it's it's really good now, but to me sometimes the difference between a good story and a really good story is you watch it X amount yeah. of years later. Mm. You watch you, we watch black and white. You watch Casablanca now, it's black and white yeah. and Casablanca is as good as it was when it yeah. went out. If I watched Avatar again in four or five years' time, ignoring the advancements in special effects and everything else will I actually sit there for three or whatever hours and not start to get fidgety? Yeah. I'm not sure I will. For me, I think the best way, yes, I about halfway through the film, I was looking at my watch, wondering when it's going to end, mm, yeah. very physically noticing yeah. how numb my bum was. <laughs> um, the best way I can sum it up is compare it to Star Trek last year. I think mm-hmm. I saw Trek at the cinema three or four times through yeah. one way or another. 
I would not go back and see this again. No. I mean, no. Star Trek was half the length. Uh, it was, it was well, half yeah. the length, I admit <laughs> that, but I would quite happily pay the six pounds, the 12 rad, yeah. to mm-hmm. ha- see Star Trek again at the cinema, even now. I yeah. would not pay any money to go mm-hmm. and see this again. No. no, I was very disappointed. I was, I was waiting for it to end. Yeah. I, I can't say I was bored, but I just wanted it to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I, it was a, it's a, not a bad film. It's a good film. Very but it's predictable not, film, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a predictable film. But it's well, not as it's been built okay. and as the hype has it's a fantastic film. Yeah. The cons, as we all know, the plot was lifted from uh, Dancing with, with Wolves. Yeah. And various yeah. other. Yeah, and various other films. Yeah. You know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of Mango's native sort of fights against his previous employers, yeah. and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, as you say, sort of, with the CGI, it's been employed before, but not to this scale. Mm. I mean, I don't know what that means, scale. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's just the sense of grandeur you get with some of the uh, scenes. In it. I mean, uh, when yeah. the when they're approaching the uh, the floating mountains. Well, yeah. Maybe if I didn't, I didn't see it in three D. So maybe mm. in three D right. it has that it, magic. It, in two D, it really didn't. What, it just looked like, as Keith says, a computer game. The CG didn't mm-hmm. look that good. It looks the, kind a, of flat. The scene where they're flying with the dragon, the, mm, the, yeah. I, I'll call them dragons. I don't mm. know what else to call them. Where they capture dragons in three D, that whole scene was just absolutely. It was stunning. absolutely. Mm. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, the, the, I kind of understand that. I mean, the scenes I can sort of compare it with are um, certain scenes in um, uh, the Lord of the Rings, where the camera is sort of swooping over. Um, sort of sour on Citadel and things like that mm. when I saw it at the cinema that was absolutely that gave me a sense of vertigo that did wow. that was very much the same with, with the scene where um, yeah, Jake Sully um, captures the air uh, dragon and he starts riding it for the first time as it were <laughs> there's a scene in Christmas Carol where they take the house the room and they sweep it over the village over London as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is exactly the same admittedly it's London but it's exactly the same as the scene in Avatar mm-hmm. it's it's not yeah. new. It has been done before. There's nothing grand and majestic you, about it. You could argue that that's the case because a certain good nanny with her umbrella did that across <laughs> London in Mary Poppins. But the difference Scary is, on, on Avatar, it's, it is, as, as Crumbly says, it is the sheer scale. Maybe it is seen in 3D that probably. does make the difference. Yeah, the, the, the dragon scene we're talking about, there was physical depth. You mm-hmm. actually feel like you are up looking down yeah. and and I think sometimes it was the smaller scenes like after he's just rescued her from the, the cuddly killer creatures or whatever they were <laughs> cuddly killer creatures <laughs> lots of cuddly they? killer creatures <laughs> those, those, those big teeth <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of like cute and cuddly and then they're trying to rip him to pieces and that yeah. but the, she's walking along the branch and the mm. whole of the tree just sort of light, lights up and goes down. There's oh, lots of right, yeah. little nuances mm-hmm. through it that were seen for the first yeah. time. Yeah, it was in many respects very visually sunny. It was very colourful. Oh, good grief, yeah. I think that must be the 3D print you saw. Because I've got, on my computer, I've got 3D goggles. For yeah. My mm-hmm. yeah. And it makes He's a show-off. Yeah, <laughs> 3D vision. It makes heck of a difference to games. It really does immerse you. Yeah. It feels mm. like a, a much more vibrant world. And I assume it must be the same with this film in 3D. Because it wasn't like that in 2D. Mm. <laughs> No, it's very pedestrian, very boring in yeah, 2D. It, did, it didn't have the spectacle I expected in 2D. I must say, on the whole, I mean, sort of, um, my thoughts are very positive about the film. Mm. 
Right, as real Keith says, I mean, sort of things in the film have been employed elsewhere before. <laughs> it's just the sense of scale and the sense of grandeur that, you know, that some of the scenes in the film imparts. Mm. I mean, that is what sold it for me. Um, I have to equate it with the film that I saw a couple of days afterwards, the Sherlock Holmes film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Best way to sum it up, it's cherry-picked from all the Sherlock Holmes so stories. So best of Sherlock Holmes. Best yeah. of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it's a nice story it's a convincing story it's a story that works and it's a story that i didn't notice was three hours long mm. was it really three hours long oh, great. yeah really well it's about the same length i did not notice it at all mm. whereas avatar it dragged mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i so i enjoyed avatar i saw it in 3d i didn't regret the the money i paid for it <laughs> not as the case maybe because yeah. i belong to scenic world um <laughs> and you know it was it was an enjoyable film. I got carried away in the story. I don't know that I want to sit through it again, as I was saying before, <laughs> yeah. in a couple of years' time, it'll hold up. But that's not to say it wasn't good. I'm, I'm, don't get I, me wrong. I do think the problem at the moment is it's like a lot of these things when they come out, there's something that catches the consciousness... Yeah. And it gets mm-hmm. hype. Yeah. That is, and there's a difference between hype yeah. and good. It's that, very, it's very much a case of clever marketing as well. Yeah, that is mm. the problem with it. As I said, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying it's a film that doesn't deserve the hype that's being thrown at it. Few do, if mm. any. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I should go back and watch it in 3D. Mm. Can I sit through it again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the trouble. Yeah, but there again, I mean, I have read a couple of, uh, a couple of other of uh, Paul Anderson's novels. They are generally, on the whole, very good. Mm. G- give it a go yourself, folks. Oh, but if you've got the option, go for the 3D version. Mm, go for the 3D version. Oh, it yeah. sounds like you should go for the 3D version. You get more version. out of it, I mm, think, yeah. Watch 3D. it by all means. I recommend you watch it. I recommend you go in there without any preconceptions. <laughs> ignore us, then. Yeah, well, uh, as as ignore the hype. Lots of people ignore do. Ignore the hype. Don't build it up. Don't expect something fantastic. You'll enjoy it. If you go in there expecting something fantastic... I didn't. Down. I went in for low expectations and still disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think the Titanic was hyped up to the nth degree. Now, Titanic was a decent enough film, but mm. I wouldn't have exactly set the height. You then got films like Ghost, which were kind of like, all oh, quit, we'll, we'll slip that through, no one will know. Mm. And it was so popular yeah. and so well loved, <laughs> they had to re-release yeah. it. So sometimes, don't believe the hype, oh, believe yeah. what the people the say. The problem was with Titanic, I mean, no, it's a bugbear of mine. I mean, it's a, it's a major bugbear about um, English being portrayed as villains in film. <laughs> I mean, okay, in Titanic, all the English were stuffy, upper class, or sexually repressed, and all the Irish below decks means well, they're swilling back pints of Guinness and have a good old having a good old hoolie sort of in the in the steerage. Yeah, sorry, yeah. but that, that's just me talking. Yes, that is, the, I mean, the they're only allowed accurate... because they died. Yes, <laughs> the, the only accurate thing about Titanic was the fact that when the boat flooded, the water was absolutely crystal clear, which it would have mm. been cold <laughs> and, and cold. cold. Yeah. If you look at their reactions, that's genuine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, we're split down the middle on um, yeah, Avatar. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, please, but go and see it for yourselves. Oh, yeah, God, so yes. Form your yes. own opinions. And just go say, and see 3D. Mm, yeah. And then tell us what you think. Yes, let us know what you think. Okay, we have a letter here from Eric, our American friend. Hello, hello Eric. Hello, Eric. Eric. Hello, hello, Eric. Dear bunch of fractious folk. (laughs) Not sure how to take that. I'm sure you will have a lot of feedback on your near year's podcast, so I'll try to keep mine brief. Thank you. (laughs) One, I'm inclined to agree that the extended, really extended regeneration sequence (laughs) was a bit self-indulgent. A bit? 
A bit. No, <laughs> but the Tenth Doctor was a very self-indulgent man, so I'm willing to buy it. <laughs> As other noted, the Fifth Doctor has fought off the regeneration for an entire episode, yep. and the Second Doctor struggled against it. Mm-hmm. And even old Billy said that he wouldn't give in. Mm-hmm. If living my entire life watching American TV has taught me anything... <laughs> It's that one should never believe what one sees in the trailers. Yes. All we really have to judge of the 11th Doctor is by the few moments at the end of End of Time. And I kind of liked him. Though Mm, I don't think he'll ever replace DT as the most shaggable Doctor. (laughs) I'm certainly open to being convinced. I don't care. In the trailer, it was a real gun in his hand. It doesn't matter. It was a gun and he was pulling the trigger. Three, three, three. <laughs> Overall, the Tenant Final was a short condensed version of the RTD version of Who. Highly emotional, character-driven, slightly indifferent to the niceties of plotting and big, big, big... While his era hasn't been to every fan's liking, especially the die-hard classic series fans, Mm -hmm. you know who you are, (laughs) it has been something of a triumph, and The End of Time was a good illustration of why it's both good and for ill. Mm -hmm. That's all for now. Hope that 2010 is a good year for you all. Keep up the moderately average work, your Mm -hmm. American friend, Eric. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I think he's got some good points there, especially on the, um, the overall of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think few fans can really complain. He's brought it back. It's That's it. Whatever you have to say about Muscle T, he brought it back. Brought it back and it's never yeah. been more popular, I don't yeah. think. Exactly. Oh, right. We have one here from Naya. Hello, Hello Naya. She says, Happy New Year, Staggering Stories team. <laughs> Thank you. Predictions, fears and hopes. <laughs> One of my predictions is also one of my fears, that America will try to remake a quirky British show and mess it up by trying to shove it into American conventions. Being human. (laughs) Another prediction is that this show will not be talked with season four. I predict that there will be no talked with season four in 2010. Really? She might be right. <laughs> that the David Tennant show Rex is not your lawyer, which sounds ridiculous, is yep. picked up. <laughs> Another certainly. fear is that David will try to do an American accent in it. Almost certainly. Yeah. Watch this space. Mm. Hope that Matt Smith <clears throat> becomes a fabulous, fabulously popular doctor. I'm sure. I love the regeneration scene and want to see more of him. I'll say nothing. No comment <laughs> on that one. Dream <laughs> that David Tennant will start doing conventions. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pipe dream that Bernard Cribbins will become the 11th Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see Tennant doing conventions for many years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's his retirement fund. Oh, yeah. He's far too busy. uh... As for the end of time, it was exactly what I expected. The triumph of spectacle over plot. (laughs) Everything that could have led to some really meaty plot complications was raised and instantly dismissed in favour of ham-handed heart-tugging and Star Wars homages. (laughs) 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 And as good as his performances are, by the time Tennant was through whining about regenerating <laughs> and demanding rewards since when does the doctor demand rewards I would doors. have done I would leave it I would have done anything to shut him up Ooh. summing up the doctor is dead long live the doctor <laughs> I don't normally give feedback on feedback but when you swore poor Kirsty I shrieked with laughter did you <laughs> good yes. job I wasn't driving at the time also I apologise for mixing up El Presidente and Crumbly be seeing you now, fake fake Keith swore Swart, when he got huh? leaped out. Oh um, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember doing the bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have one here from JD. Hello, JD. Hello, JD. JD says, hello, team. Hello. For the record, the women of Staggering Stories have no feelings. They are Vulcan and therefore have no soul. <laughs> I don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, JD says, I have end of time part two feedback. Go for yeah. it. Yes. I thought the story had a few plot holes. <laughs> Only a few, JD. <laughs> Let's start by why the Ood are in the episode in the first place. Mm-hmm. What is making them so powerful? What was up with the old women? <laughs> she can't be his mother. She's dead, right? Oh so God. therefore, she's either Romana, Flavia, or Susan. If they manage to bring the master back from the dead, yes, <laughs> and Rassilon, yeah. and yeah. it out. Anyway, yeah. I also would like to give Rassilon a short list of everywhere. stuff that we didn't know about RTD. Do we want to know this? Well, <laughs> Russell T. Davis didn't know what the hell he was doing when he wrote The End of Time. Okay. <laughs> Two. The combined egos of Russell T. Davis <laughs> and Julie Gardner could fill an entire football stadium. <laughs> That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Three, should not have had a gap year and have given the series over to Moffat after Journey's End. Mm, I think yeah. the new series will be better than Series 4. I hope there are more Weeping Angels. Mm, there will be. I yes. think your wish will come yep. true. Yes. He has a few predictions. Ooh. Predictions for 2010. Okay. These are JDs, I have to say. And not necessarily the comments of Staggering Stories. Definitely Predictions not. for, Je- for Je- 2010. Russell T. Davis and Julie will commit suicide after running in front of a bus after realising not all of their writing was brilliant. I, I can see a thread developing. Tom yeah. Baker will stay very much alive, oh. while the Colin will choke to death after eating a carrot. <laughs> v will be cancelled along with the bloody American X Factor. Oh, and Simon Cowell will join <laughs> Russell T. Davis and Gardner in front of that bus I mentioned earlier. Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see V cancel, but the bloody American X Factor. Yes. <laughs> Karen Gillan and Matt Smith will be the new David Tennant. <laughs> Both of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that more shows will be cancelled on NBC because they're idiots. Probably. Mm. Okay. Ooh, and by the way, I think that the next episode of Doctor Who should have Matt Smith dying for meeting a carrot <laughs> while there's a next regeneration. Ooh, further predictions. He's carrots too, apparently. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> P.S. By the way, I hate the TV in the States, except for a few, but the rest of it is rubbish. Mm. I want to live in London. <laughs> Most of it's rubbish here too, to be honest. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's hinting about the um, room availability. <laughs> <laughs> One more prediction for 2010. RTD will have to bring Yanto back because he'll get sick from all the hate instant coffee packs he's been receiving because of season three of Talks with. <laughs> I think they're sending him instant coffee packs. Why? Because he killed Yanto. They're, it's a campaign to try to get Yanto back. What does uh, Yanto have to do with instant, instant coffee? coffee yeah. No, no, he makes real coffee. Uh, so therefore, because he's gone, it's all going to be instant now. Right. So uh, he's kept on being sent. Anyway, be seeing you, JD. Thank you so much, <laughs> JD. I'm not sure if RTD will have anything to do with Torchwood from now on, will he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's, still, he's still keeping his fingers in uh, Sarah Jane Smith event. <laughs> see? 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 Ah, that's how it is meant to have been. Yeah, but... Of course. <laughs> we'll edit that one out. <laughs> like you did the last one. <laughs> have one here from Owain. Hi, Chloe. Owain. says, hi, guys. A wine here, but nothing much to say. Oh, but but I bought and watched the whole of Firefly, and it is brilliant. You great man, you great man. 
My favourite episode is definitely Out of Gas. Yes. Yeah, mine too. And I love episodes that explore canonicity. I must look that up. (laughs) (laughs) And stop mumbling at me, Crumbly. That's hello last week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Fine. Yes, Firefly. Yeah, great choice in uh, yes. DVD yep. there. Everybody should watch Firefly. Yep. It's very, should be very forced good. down and made to watch it, God damn it! And then Serenity, after you've watched Firefly. Firefly, yeah, watching them in order. Watching them in order. And don't come crying to us after the end of Serenity. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> right, um... You can do this one. <laughs> I'll do this one. It's a big one, so bear with me. For now. Uh, we've received a small book from uh, Benjamin Elliott. Hello, Hello, Benji. 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 A dog. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Staggering Stories team. Greeting from a remote island in the middle of nowhere. Hello, remote island in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Being a a bit behind in doing feedback, but I do believe that you have been harsh on the horns of (laughs) Nylon. Never. (laughs) No. If you were watching this on PBS in 1980s, Odds are you saw the story immediately before The Leisure Hive. The Horns of Naimon feels like some 30 stories before it, like a comfortable glove. The Leisure Hive, well, we're recording the episodes as they air, and the only word, only the words Doctor Who revealed it to be the same show, making a frantic dash to hit the record and play button simultaneously, as you had to in the 1980 VCRs. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) Until more information came out about Shader. Sure. The Horns of Nymon was the end of classic Tom Baker, before the massive change, for good or ill, depending on your taste, to modern Tom Baker. <laughs> He's a modern man now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My memories of Horns of Nymon, one of the cleanest Tom Baker prints <laughs> in our PBS station had, even on repeats years later, much less dust and dirt than on other stories, including season 18. Because dust doesn't go near it. Why would dust go near it? Exactly. <laughs> Why would anybody go near it? <laughs> Swearing. Okay, none of the language would get bleeped out by sentences in most TV eras, but the characters start insulting each other in the first two parts. Winkling scum! <laughs> Despicable worm! <laughs> For Doctor Who, this was shockingly strong language. <laughs> And it would be a while before they dared go that far again. Yeah. David Brealey's K9 is finally getting a K9-y dialogue <laughs> after being unused for two stories and having him talk as little as possible in two more. Mm. David Brealey's stuff recorded for Shada is better, but we ha- didn't have Shada available then, so this was the only chance to see the alternative K9 being a successful cast member. Mm. We never had Shardom available. No, they never finished it. Never, never, well, ever. It was released on VHS, wasn't it? They linked it together with some mm. dialogue, mm. I think. Graham Crowden's character <laughs> is okay. <laughs> it wasn't the most subtle acting <laughs> ever when watched as a seven-year-old, but there was a clear progression. He's fairly calm at the start. His descent into madness is gradual and occurs as the story happens. He's not like the chief caretaker of Paradise Towers, who's insane back when everything's still going his way. Crowden is a villain with a real story arc. (laughs) The dreaded season 17 has villains who grow and change, something not all eras can claim. Also, I had to record this story because we were out the first time it aired. Recordings failed, so we didn't get to the end. It aired again two years later. This time the recording failed while the Doctor and company were still searching their way out of the labyrinth. (laughs) And you know the complex would explode. 
It took four years to finally get to see the ending, and it matched the rest of the story. So it seemed okay. Blissful <laughs> four years of ignorance. It's <laughs> <laughs> quicker than I got to see the last episode of Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> I'm sure it helped that I was watching most of this story as a young kid. No doubt Aliens of London would have worked much better for me watching it with the smaller, non-glasses-needing eyes too. <laughs> and my copy wasn't as ropey as what you described. Surely the Horns review could have, been, could have waited for a DVD so that you could admire the overall decent picture quality. I don't think it would have helped. No. <laughs> Horns of Nymon. Not the greatest story, but a nice, comfortable food. Scandalous language for its day, <laughs> and it works best as the kids' audience that Doctor Who was presumably aimed at. Yeah. Mm. Meanwhile, back on my mini vacation, need to remember to get to my next Mr. Dalek story written. Oh, yeah. As I recall, everybody got a cliffhanger. Must be getting really tired from the, all those cliffs. <laughs> fingers, yeah. My arms are mm, like yes. yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I'm hanging on to an umbrella. <laughs> you oh, would. <laughs> Regards, Benjamin Elliot. This week in Doctor Who Guy. P.S. Beware the head of Michael Jaston. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I guess somebody likes it. <laughs> I suppose he, he's got some point of views, and again, he's—I'm not sure if he's watched it recently or he's remembering it through the rosy glowed eyes of youth. <laughs> they, they just got to be some rose tinted glasses. That's all I can say. Yeah. My, my, my overriding memories of Horns of Nymon, it's something I didn't bring up in the actual review, but my overriding memories are it's so noisy. They walk across the grid in the main courtyard, yeah. and all you can hear is clang, 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 clang. <laughs> my biggest memory is to try commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't well that bad. But... <laughs> it will be interesting to see what they do on the DVD, which yes. is out shortly. Yeah. Mm. All I know is I fear that we might have to review it again because now it's a DVD. Well, I'll certainly pick up a copy and take a look at the extras and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be worth finding out what the um, commentary's like. I, mean, I suspect it yeah. may be one to watch with the commentary. Yeah, Graham Crowden's doing it. We appear to have got someone else's um, mail yeah. here. Are you sure? Well, it doesn't appear to be addressed to us. Go on then. It's to dear Tony, Joe and Robert. Okay. <laughs> is somebody not telling me something? Is one of you in disguise? <laughs> Whose mail is this? Is this our mail? <laughs> no, it, Leslie here appears to have sent us uh, flashing blades. Uh, Leslie. Uh, feedback. I think you may have boobed slightly. <laughs> but maybe we should read it out. Yep, no, then, no. And then if they've got ours, yeah, they can they read, can read ours. ours out. And we can maybe swap, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dear Tony, Joe and Robert... Insert uh, staggering stories names here. <laughs> this is from Leslie. Many enjoyable moments from the End of Time Part 2 podcast. I was interested to find out that Joe found the Time Lord figures covering their faces as fascinating as I did. Well, I'm interested to find that out now as well. Yeah. In Part 1, when they appeared, I thought they were child versions of the Master and Doctor. Interesting mm. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Robert, <laughs> and thanks for the in-depth discussion of the Castle of Fear. Mm, big finish. All right. I also laughed out loud at Misha's comments on the Master's feral sexiness. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Actually, she sent the same feedback to us. So yeah, oh, that's uh... okay. Um, I won't say much more about End of Time because I think everything I have to say has already been said. Leslie, it sounds like we've think... kind of covered the same. Same ground, yeah. 
pretty well, much. You know, it's, there's only so much you can cover in each different podcast. So. Yeah. Well, we thank you for the feedback, Leslie, and I'm sure Flashing <laughs> Babe will be grateful for our feedback as well. <laughs> We're all just one podcast, happy big family. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah, mind the, the Christmas squabbles, the arguments, the. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mind me to say uh, welcome and congratulations to Robert for joining the Flashing Blade. Mm. Good luck. Alternating co-host. Yes, he's going to need a yes. bit of luck to, uh, to <laughs> yes. attain the... Uh, the effervescent personality. Yeah. <laughs> mm. oh, don't we don't mean that. you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have one here from Wynn. Hello, oh, Wynn. Hello, Wynn. <laughs> You've all done very well. Loved the Christmas shenanigans and glad that I did manage to get my message in at the end. It meant a lot that I managed to sneak it in. <laughs> I can just imagine sort of a bubbling pool of something. It's <laughs> melted. Mm. So, see anything decent over the holidays? Yes, I know you didn't like it, fake Keith, but you were just in a bad mood because you didn't take my advice to end your writing assignments with. <laughs> and then I woke up. It had all been a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I really enjoyed the end of time. No, it wasn't the strongest story ever, but as a send-off for the Tenth Doctor, it was great. I blubbed in all the right places, but then I was already primed to do so anyway. Mm. So a personal thanks from me to RTD and David Tennant. It's been a blast, guys. I know they're listening to the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I have to agree. I, I thought it was really good. Matt Smith looks like he's going to be great. Yep. As if there was any doubt. <laughs> mm. yeah, apparently there is in some causes. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait for the new series. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to the new series of Being Human. Yeah, it started up to episode oh, two. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're currently in two episodes in at the moment, and it's looking fantastic. Mm. I'm re-watching the last series on DVD as preparation. Yeah. Lots of naughty love to Auntie Gene and fake Keith. <laughs> I've re-listened to a number of old podcasts and I noticed that I started favouring Auntie Jean over fake Keith when it comes to my special brand of attention. <laughs> <laughs> my New Year's resolution is to be much fairer when it comes to distributing my um attention. Yeah. There's room in my special cover for both of you. <laughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> no need for the McFaddian smutmatic filter to be engaged this week, as the whole of the south of England is one giant ice pack. <laughs> Bod be with you, Viva El Presidente. Win. Thank you, Win. Thank you, Win. <laughs> I don't know, me and, me and fake Keith have been in some very close situations <laughs> over the years, yeah. but never in a cupboard together. <laughs> wardrobe, once. Wardrobe, wardrobe. yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, not a cupboard. Yes, we've been in TARDIS. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of some of the dark places <laughs> we've ended up. <laughs> I don't think we've both been in a Dalek at the same time. Not the same no. time yet, no, no. <laughs> You've done a knickers in Nelson's Column. Oh, we've done the knickers all over yeah. the place. Yeah. We did a knickers at um, Longleat. Yes, yes. And now, for your delectation, interest and delight for those many, many people out there, including Russell T. Davis and Wynne, subliminal messages. <laughs> Thank you! Okay, we have a special thing now for you. Ooh. A competition. Ooh. Are you trying to tell me it's competition time? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can win Ooh. a three-disc special edition of Hooverville, the DVD collection. Ooh. Ooh. This is the convention we went to back in September. Ooh. We met up with all the other podcasters. All those many, many, yeah. many, many months. Many, ago. many. And Steve Hatcher, the organiser, was kind enough to send us an extra DVD Ooh. Ooh. set to give away as a prize. It's a genuine DVD, mm. not a hooky copy. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with a picture of the Colin Baker with the head of Pertwee. Yeah! <laughs> the Colin Baker with the, the head, head of, of Pertwee. Pertwee. Yep. Yes, indeed. May ketchup and mashed potato be upon him. And what do our dear listeners have to do to be into the opportunity to win this staggering prize, El Presidente? Nothing wow. biologically impossible. <laughs> I oh. thought we could come up with a name. Now, we've got... Amy Pond. Brunhilda Now, just suppose, I'm not saying it's going to happen, just suppose <laughs> there's another companion next year. <gasps> male companion. <gasps> what would his name be? Oh. Now, are we looking for his real name or the best made-up Grunhilda Nobnacker name? Oh, the best made-up name that we can oh, broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> Within reason. <laughs> and that, whenever his characters come up... Will be who will be called this name from now on on this podcast. <laughs> if such a character would exist, if, yes. if he exists, yes. And where do people send their entries? And do you want them to put a special heading to it? Oh, no special heading required. But you send it just a normal address. Show at staggeringstories.net. So give us the name of this potential mystery character, yep. a companion, a male mm-hmm. companion. Let's go alongside Grunhilda Nobnack. <laughs> Winners will be selected at how discretion of the next <laughs> podcast. Indeed. So, dear hearts, to win this fabulous Region Zero, so even our American mm-hmm. listeners oh, yes. are in with a chance, yep. DVD, get your suggestions to us by the 15th of February at the latest. Mm. And if you lose out, they can be bought on the Hoover's site. <laughs> them. They've got lots of DVDs there mm. And uh, this one is particularly good because it features us Yes yep. <laughs> Or more specifically you and uh, Fake, Fake Keith, Keith. Yeah. I think might be lucky to see the rest of us lurking mm. around Lurking the in the audience yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe And the head of Pertwee Of oh, course, yes. oh, mm-hmm. of course. Yes, Definitely yes, the head of Pertwee He was quite quiet though during the um, interview mm. sessions Yeah, there. well I think it's the fact that he just had his hair pulled by uh, the mm, Colin the Baker The Colin Baker, yes Probably <laughs> And so that brings us to the end of another podcast, dear listeners. Ah, but rejoice. There will be more of the same in the next one. Rejoice for that. Well, (laughs) yeah, I suppose so. More fun, frivolity and jollity. More news and reviews. More who old and new. But until then, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. Goodbye. Au revoir. Oh, my goody aunt. Oh, dear. Oh, crumbs. Okay. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories Podcast, Series 1, Number 63, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Gene Riddler, and Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended. This podcast is a presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Staggering Stories Podcast, Number 60. Two. Three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Do that last bit again. <laughs> Is it 63? Three. Oh, don't we're checking the blog. <laughs> <laughs> we we apologise for not knowing where the heck yeah. we are. 63. 63. Blimey. Okay. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? Oh.
Well, I, Oops, I did spend a few minutes with my head up J&T's bum. <laughs> you don't need to know that. Well, it's amazing what Rem- you can get used to under a console when you try. <laughs> Remember, we okay. have little people I'm sorry, yes. This, yes. We were fully clothed at the time. Mm, mm. Little people? Little people. Well, we the munchkins. Can we all apologise to Adam for such, and to you listeners, for such a, a long, long podcast? podcast. We're sorry time. we got carried away. <laughs> we are really sorry to those of you who had to listen to it, and we are so grateful for Adam for having to do it. He sweat blood, blood on the forehead, coming out of the ears, bleeding. Yeah, and or- other orifices. Orifices. You want to you. You know how long that thing was before <laughs> he cut it? Yeah, oh God, yeah. Oh dear. Right. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wake up every morning to a five and seven year old. Oh. <laughs> We're going to cut that because knowing him, he's going to edit it. And put it... <laughs> Small, warm, and furry. <laughs> and purrs whenever I touch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the outtakes. Oh. <laughs> And so that's my run regret about doing this, is giving him so much material. <laughs> Your earliest memory is Adric. <laughs> <laughs> the rubber pyjamas. <laughs> that silence you hear is our announcer, eating a twirl bar. Suggestively. <laughs> it's not a finger. Of, I was going to say it's not a finger of fudge, you know. <laughs> it's just enough to give your kids a treat. Sarah Jane, a treat. <laughs> Do you realise we're all too smutty for this? <laughs> so much for this being a family podcast. <laughs> well, these are the bits that are edited out. Mm, yeah. Hopefully, I put on the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are of a nervous disposition or under the age of eighteen. Please turn off the added parts to this podcast now.